It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Thank you very much for downloading the Manchester Football Social Podcast. There's Dave over there. Yeah, right here. There's Steo there. I'm over here. You're going to hear them talk a little bit more in a minute about Manchester United and Manchester City and loads of other footballing stuff as well, including the crazy Kepa Keeper antics. <laughs> that that sounds like an old board game. Like <laughs> crazy Kepa Keeper. <laughs> like mousetrap Has bro publishing it. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in a minute. Make sure you've subscribed to this podcast so you get the next show as soon as it's ready. And we've got a special quiz. If you like a little bit of trivia, stick around because it's coming up the other side of this podcast. Enjoy. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. Welcome. This is your chance to talk about your football team. Don't miss out. 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five is the phone number. You can get us on the text as well. 87711. It's one down and three to go with Pep Guardiola's impressive quest for the fabled quadruple now in their own hands. And their friends down the road at Old Trafford did them a little bit of favour in their quest for the Premier League title this weekend too. We're going to be talking about that and a load more on the Manchester Football Social this evening. And to do that, I'm Jim and we've got for the Blues, Steve McInerney. Hello Jim, how are you? I'm good, Tar. I'm loving your weather stat before, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, It was really good fun. I'm not sure we can top that, but we'll give it a go. I want to know basically, Manchester City fans, is there anyone out there who thinks we can actually do the quadruple? And if so, get ringing in because we want to hear from you. And I want to know as well, I'm going to add to that, because if people think it is impossible to do the quadruple... It technically isn't. Just, why not, why not just sacrifice one competition now? Why not just go, we're not going to do that one, we're going to focus <laughs> what, what on the other just pull out? Well, just, just <laughs> play the kids, lose deliberately. If you can't fight on all four fronts, why even bother trying? 87711, your text's on that one. To the Blues, we've got Steve, and to the Reds, we've got Statman Dave. Evening, Dave. Yeah, I had a good weekend, you know. Good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the football this weekend even though there's not many goals oh God, but I want to ask Man United fans should Scott McTominay be playing against uh, Crystal Palace and Southampton a polar opposite sort of guy you know some people like him some people like him a bit like Marmite we'll let you sing the praises of McTominay a little bit later as well Dave we'll give you a little oh, I can't wait to stand on for that one 0345 111 you want to have your say on any of those topics or a little bit more or you can text in on 87711 before we crack on with the weekend's games however there's something in particular I want to talk about from the Caribou Cup final and it isn't City winning the trophy which makes it feel maybe a little bit strange that I'm starting off with this one but I want to talk about the big story from that cup final and I want to talk about 
the Chelsea goalkeeper's refusal to be substituted during that game. Now, in case you missed it, in the dying minutes of normal time, Sari, the Chelsea boss, signalled for Kepa to come off because he appeared to be suffering with some kind of muscle injury. Willy Caballero was supposed to be coming on. He was warming up. He was ready to go. But Kepa refused to leave the pitch. It resulted in some very irate hand gestures from Sari. Gianfranco Zola was on the side of the pitch shouting, come on, come on. <laughs> and ultimately, because he refused to come off, it meant the substitution had to be reversed. Kepa stayed on the pitch. Caballero sat back down, but refused to put his bib on or take his gloves off. He just sat there looking grumpy that he wasn't given a game. And it was one of the most bizarre situations I think I've ever seen on a football field. I didn't even know you could reverse a substitution once it had been made. What did you make of it, Steve? Looking um, at that, because you were at the game, obviously, yeah. for the final. Do you know what I love about football? It has this ability to just make you see things you've never seen before, always. <laughs> and um, that was a weird moment. Hearing Caballero's name called out as well, essentially hearing the substitution actually happen over the tannoy, and then everyone stood there looking dead confused for ages. It was a really weird experience. Now, I think initially my reactions were the same as most people, like, I can't believe he's done that. Uh, where I'm now somewhere towards the more, I think, reasonable explanation in terms of, I think his intentions were actually good, but he just dealt with it really badly. Mm. Like... I think in general, he was a victim of his own play acting because I think he was pretending to be injured for ages for whatever right, okay. reason. I think he was. Uh, and then the, the, the act, he, he fell for his acting. It was like an Oscar-worthy performance well, on an Oscar night. he had um, cramp. I mean, you're a goalkeeper. You can't get cramp. <laughs> You've not done anything for 90 minutes. And trust me, there was nothing going on in that game worth doing. There's absolutely nothing. But I think it, what he should, the way he should have dealt with it... I mean, as soon as the, the number's called up, he should go off anyway. But if he feels like it's because of a miscommunication, just run over. And run over to the manager. You know, jog over. Prove you haven't got cramp for one. Mm. Say, say something to Sarri instead of Sarri from a distance. Sit down, sit down. Which is unbelievably disrespectful in front of 80,000 people. Um, I can totally see why um, you know, a lot of people have been quite outraged by this. For one, in the crowd, one of the day, it was mental. If you've seen yeah. it's crazy. And because they probably should have put Caballero anyway. You know, City fans were thinking, oh no. I've seen this. This is this is mm. going to happen. Caballero's going to come on. Uh, he's he's ex City keeper. He's great in penalty shootouts. Um, it just made a lot of sense. And then, oh, what a bizarre moment! But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. What did you make of it, Dave? No, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah, it was really <laughs> funny. It really sums up Chelsea as a football club. And then Jorginho does the penalty step and Chelsea football Twitter absolutely explodes. I think you, you've got to respect your manager. And I think for Sari, it's almost untenable at the moment if mm. that's the level of respect that his players are getting. But you've got to think if from Sari's position, it looked like at one point that he'd literally walked off and he'd sacked it all off. Yeah, it did. But then you've got to remember that Chelsea pay out big money so there's no point in resigning. You may as well wait till you get sacked. You may as well take that payday. And it just feels, it feels like a huge mess. And like that makes it even worse. Like Kepper, a young goalkeeper, they thought he'd have the respect of. Doesn't even respect the manager. I mean, that's it. It all comes down to the complete lack of respect that that team have for the manager. Because a manager is the person who should be able to make any call he likes. He might, he should have been able to put Gianfranco Zola in goal, in goal if he yeah. wanted to. And yeah. it's that complete lack of respect and that lack of authority. And we heard him saying earlier in the season as a manager, he was saying, I can't motivate these players. Mm. Which, as you say, it all indicates to his position at that football club being completely untenable. And surely he's got to leave. I think that the craziest thing is the, is the stats around it. Uh, Willy Caballero has got a better save percentage from the penalty spot he's than Kepa. He's, he's a specialist when it comes to <laughs> yeah, situations. What well, so, does that ever work? I'm interested. You're, oh, you're the stat you, man here. The, the, the last time, obviously, it happened was at the World Cup. Yeah. Tim Krul coming on for uh, Lou Van Gaal's 
Holland, they beat, um, I think it was Brian Ruiz's team, Costa Rica. Costa Rica, yeah. They beat them on penalties. He saved them, saved two penalties. Imagine as a, you know, as a player that uh, they're bringing on a goalkeeper who's a specialist. That would intimidate you as a player. You're thinking, why, why are they doing this? It would intimidate Costa Rica, with all due respect, because they're not at the same level as season professionals like Manchester City, you know. I but think at the same time, a different reaction there. You said it though as a fan. You were scared. I'm a fan. I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> no, but you were right. Me, like... You were completely right. The penalty stats. No, I would say in general, the thing about that is, um, I guess there was more of a story there with Caballero as well. So it was that mm. ex-player kind of narrative and City yeah. fans really do fear a narrative. Sure, so yeah. I do agree. Like, you're, you're right. It's all to do with it. It's all to do with what's going on in your head rather than what's going on on the pitch though, isn't it? And yeah, of from a City point of view, bringing on Caballero puts more pressure on those City players because there is that existing narrative. But from the flip side of that, you look at Kepa, Surely he's putting the pressure on himself because oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, just a little bit. Did you see that non-save of Aguero dancing <laughs> about? And then oh mate, if you're gonna do that, at least play well in the penalty shootout. I think he hyped <laughs> himself up but, like too much, didn't he? Essentially, no, it's crazy. You look at penalty shootouts. If you take the first penalty, you, you've got a better chance of winning. It's like fifty-five percent versus forty-five percent. So Chelsea technically had an advantage, but it just seems like City must have been like are these guys for real. Like, they, are they joking? They have a guy on the bench that they could bring on that was supposed to come on, now they're not doing it. Like, you'd think as a, a City player, confident. Do you think you went to Sarri's morning? Is it too late to say that <laughs> won't go there? <laughs> Stop with the terrible Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when you're in a supermarket and you see a couple arguing. And you're, yeah. trying, you're trying not to watch the argument, <laughs> but out of the corner of your eyes you are and you follow them but around. But 80,000 people are yeah. like, oh, right, what's going on here? It's just awkward for any scenario. So, right, my question was, we've got a little bit off the topic of City United, that's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> if this was a, something that happened, that De Gea was doing this at United with Solskjaer trying to take him off, if you had Edison doing this with Guardiola <laughs> trying to take him off, we've seen it before with players, we saw it with Tevez. At Manchester City, who did worse, he went and played golf for oh, yeah. and just be substituted. <laughs> but would would you welcome that player back, or is that it for the club? Is it that lack of respect to the manager, to the fans, and to the club itself? There's no coming back from that. I think that's entirely between the player and the manager. I think really, um, I think in general, as long as they work it out and they've got a working relationship, then uh, I think in general you have to kind of trust them to kind of get on with it because they are highly paid professionals. And also, you can't just throw away a seventy million pound keeper if he's genuinely mm. like. Uh, sorry, down it's a misunderstanding and if he, if he tries to be contrite about it you know and shows him, shows that he actually cares and fair enough but it's a weird one isn't it because the, the Tevez one in particular was just bizarre you know the whole like he never actually refused to come and he said he refused to warm up again because Mancini hadn't realised he'd warmed up or something like that and he had it two stubborn more, people to be fair it was the more going to play golf for six months yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that was it he had two stubborn people who came to loggerheads and then none of them got it back down so he just gone and proved his handicap in Buenos Aires somewhere so like that was a weird moment but then if that happened with Mancini, like you say, I don't know, if a keeper tries to imagine Richard Wright in goal or something like that, I don't know, something like that, trying to do it with Mancini, he would have dragged him off the pitch. I honestly believe it. Do you remember when the preseason friendly when Balotelli did that flick? Oh, and, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, and he got annoyed at Balotelli in a friendly for attempting a back heel flick and subbed him off. And Bal he felt like he actually had a fight with Balotelli in training. People forget wow. that. Uh, so, yeah, I think <laughs> I with someone like that. And also with Pep, oh, I would not be the man to cross Pep because he's a, a fiery person. It, sh <laughs> it, just show else. it just shows how surprising it was that 24 hours after Man City have lifted their first trophy of the season, we're talking about a goalkeeper for the opposition. But we are going to get onto the game slightly because we're going to speak to a member of the opposition fan base who's been on this programme more than me in recent weeks. It's Kerry from the Chelsea podcast, The Chelsea. Evening, Kerry. Good evening. Nice to speak to you as usual. Nice to speak to you. 
sounding optimistic as usual. You described it as exciting times on Friday night when you spoke to the boys on Friday night. I mean, it didn't manifest itself in that game in any way, the exciting element, did it? Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it was exciting in the fact that we made a game of it for, for the 120 minutes and probably had a couple of the best chances in the game, really. And it's the same old don't put those chances away you suffer somewhere along the way but uh, it was interesting as well I've just been listening to you talk about uh, our goalkeeper and um, I mean it was worth going just for that because I've never seen anything <laughs> quite like it in my life so, Whose side you know, are you that? on with that one Kerry? Are you supporting the manager or is it the goalkeeper or do you believe this complete fluff that's come out afterwards that there was a misunderstanding? <laughs> I believe all of it. <laughs> I, think, I think it's actually a mix of everything. I, yeah. I honestly think nobody knew quite what was going on. I think he, the keeper was, was in a, a state of surprise, going, no, 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 I'm fit, having you know, done the classic feign injury for, mm. a, for a couple of moments, um, which I'm sure is what, what went on. I mean, he even said it, didn't he, later. Well, well, I was just, you know, not that injured. I was just trying to waste a bit of time and things. I think he got caught out by that. So I think he was surprised. He was so good at faking injury <laughs> that even his own manager thought he was he was badly injured and better get rid of him. Um, but then, then what happened, you know, in those couple of minutes with Sarri completely throwing everything out of the, the pram, you know, it was extraordinary. I mean, I don't blame him because I've never seen anything like that. I mean, there was one moment where I was actually up and about applauding Kepper because I thought he's being brave. He's showing that he's got strength and he wants to carry on for the team. But then there was a dismissive gesture with his hand mm. in Sarri's direction. I thought, oh, hold on, this doesn't look right. Yeah. And, and then you suddenly saw Sarri just blow up on the sidelines and he just thought, I've never seen anything like this. And it, it was an extraordinary moment. So um, I think they've I think they've covered the tracks pretty well. I think Sarri has shown himself to be uh, articulate in defence of something that is really, I, I guess, more for professional footballers would think it is indefensible what he did. You know, the, the, the managers, he says what happens, you do what he says, and, and that's it, especially if your number's up. He, he should have just come to the touchline and said, boss, it's all right, I'm not yeah. injured, I'm okay, do you still want me to come off? And if he says yes, then he comes off. That's what should have happened. And I also think there was something going on in the fact that our captain, who I absolutely love as a player and as a character, as Piliqueta, was missing throughout the whole situation. Yeah. I, I think we all know strong captains would normally have stood in there and said, you go and speak to the boss right now. So it, it was, it was a, I, mean, I, I agree with you. There's a certain amount of fluff in how it's all come out. But I think what needs to happen is that Kepa needs to make some sort of public apology. He'll get five two-week wages and he'll play on Wednesday night and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, that think, seems fair. Do you think it's made it untenable? Because I think there's two scenarios that can happen here. Because you look at the way Chelsea played in that game and, yeah, they weren't necessarily... At, they, they were second best to City, even though it was nil-nil right the way to the end of extra time, obviously. But you compare that to the game at the Etihad a couple of weeks ago and there were lessons learned. There was a development, which sometimes has been the criticism of Vasari that he hasn't been able to adapt in games. And there you saw a team that was better equipped to cope with City than they were last time they faced each other. Well, 
I think actually I don't think I'd agree with you that City were the better side. Um, I, th- I think it was a very even game, and I, I think you saw how frustrated City got through the game. You, you got De Bruyne passing the ball into touch twice. I've never seen that before. You know, I, I think it was a very interesting game if you're a fan of either side um, and probably not so interesting if you thought oh gosh I've got a win. when does someone oh they are next to time in this game oh why you know I think there's probably a lot of people who just wanted to go straight to penalties and then they could all get on with their lives again but uh, I, I think Sarri has learned that I, I think he's so close to the exit at Chelsea that somewhere along the line, since I spoke to you on Monday, he's either worked out himself or someone has said to him, you're going to have to start tweaking. You cannot keep doing this. You don't want another four, five, six nil in a, in a cup final. Not only would your career be over at Chelsea, it'd probably be over all over the world. So, you know, have a, have a think about it. Or he's worked it out himself and he came up with a plan. Now, yeah, it was a bit ugly at times, but it was successful to a greater or lesser extent. And again, if Kante had taken that chance, I, I would be very interested to see how the game would have developed from there. So, yeah, I, I think that, that Chelsea now have a chance to move things forward as a team. I don't think he's going to get the boot now. Um, I never really did. Um, I think he has learned something. And we'll see if this evolution carries on. We played Tottenham, one of our main rivals, on Wednesday. So we'll see where we go from there. And I think Wednesday's a key thing for Sarri. Kerry, cheers for coming on, mate. That's Kerry from the Chels, the Chelsea podcast. Ever the optimistic, Kerry. <laughs> we are going to get stuck into the final in a minute. Manchester City's first silverware of the season. The quadruple is definitely on, or is it? Your views, 0345 7625. We'll talk about that next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Hello guys, it's Stephen McInerney back here on Manchester Football Social. I've been joined by Statman Dave and Jim Salverson in the studio. We're talking about Manchester City and Manchester United until 7 o'clock. If you want to call in and chat about anything to do with the Carabao Cup final or United's game against Liverpool, it's 0345 111 and the text is 87711. You can get involved on Twitter as well at MCR Footy Social. But first, before we go on to United, we're going to talk to Stefan, who's on the phone, a Manchester City fan about the Carabao Cup Cup final and also how he felt like Pep maybe got one of the decisions wrong. Stefan, are you there, mate? So you can see, I can see a screen that you can't see. Oh, go on. And he's actually not there right now. <laughs> he's there now. <laughs> oh, hey, there we go. Stefan, apparently you're online now. Is that right, mate? I am, yeah. How are you doing? I'm very good, mate. Thanks for coming on. Uh, apparently you weren't on, then you were on, but you're here now, so that's all that matters. Um, I know, uh, according to Twitter, I've been chatting to you, that you weren't too keen on how Pep dealt with the phone situation, and maybe his setup yesterday in general. What was your take on it all? Uh, well, I, I just, you know, look, uh, it feels a bit weird uh, sort of arguing with you for, uh, for young players to start, <laughs> to, to start more games. But, I, you know, I think overall, over the season so far, I think Foden should have played more. I think uh, yesterday was a good opportunity. Uh, I don't think it would have been a huge risk. Uh, you know, I almost think it's a bigger risk now not having him, having had the minutes so far this season, because we've got, you know, a lot of games coming up um, over the next couple of months. And I think it would have been good for him to have had more minutes during the season. Uh, 
you might say, well, he's not, you shouldn't play, you know, the final. But uh, I think, you know, in my view, it would have been relatively low risk. So, uh, you know, in a nutshell, I think he should have played. Well, as you stand on the whole Muric and Foden thing in terms of, did, had they earned the right to play in this game? Or do you think Pep was kind of right just to go with the strongest 11, essentially? Because there's a lot of talk beforehand about how he'd kind of done them a bad thing by not involving them, given that the effect he got here. I have to say, I completely agree with that in terms of Muric. He's played every single game in this competition. It gets to the final and he's on the bench. Go what was your take, Stefan? tight. <laughs> Well, I'd probably go the other way, actually, in terms of Muric, because I think, you know, goalkeeper's so fundamental. Muric is a very young, you know, shouldn't, I say shouldn't, he, he wouldn't even have been at the, in, the, in the club for the season, uh, but for what happened to Bravo. Yeah. And I know he's done okay, but I think, you know, for me, I would have played... Um, uh, yeah, I would have played Edison. Uh, I, for me, Foden's in a different category because I think he, if he's not at the level, he's certainly very, very close to the level of the players around him in that midfield. And I think, uh, you know, the performance, uh, obviously only against Newport, but uh, I think he showed enough that he could yeah. play uh, some minutes in the final. Uh, if not to start, and I would have started him, frankly, ahead of Silva, because I think we could have easily have done with Silva having a rest. Uh, Silva's not, not playing well at the moment. We all know that. A rest uh, in the final, was, though? Yeah, I, d- I don't see why not. I mean, we've got finals now every single game between now and the end of the season. You know, we, is West Ham, West Ham is only marginally less important than yesterday. That's a bold call, because, I mean, bothered? we've walked away with a trophy, yeah. so... Are you bothered, Stefan, about it, then? The Caribou Cup final, and every fan criticises the Caribou Cup final unless you're in the Caribou Cup final. It's a meaningless cup to anyone unless you win it. Do you care that that is trophy number one chalked off, or is it only important if it is then part of this much-talked-about quadruple? It's not about the quadruple. I mean, the chance of winning the quadruple, I think, are almost zero. Um, you know, so much can go wrong in, a, in individual moments, individual games, sending loss, free goals. You know, I'm not looking for, for us to win the, the quadruple. I think it's important to win trophies. Had we not won yesterday, it would not have been the end of the world. Uh, you know, clearly, it's the fourth priority. And, you know, we need to manage it in that way. And that's why... I, I would not have had any problem in playing uh, in playing Foden in midfield or bringing Foden on when you know when we had the injuries. I, I, you know, so but it's not just Foden's not just any young player. You know, he's a player that I think is is either at the level or extremely close to the level of the players around him, and that means in terms of the Chelsea team as well. I think he could have easily competed in that midfield yesterday. What's so your- I, I don't see it as a risk. What's your current take on the David Silver's form? Because there's a lot of City fans who are starting to notice there's been a bit of a drop-off now and uh, a lot of people are saying that maybe he needs a bit of a prolonged rest and Gundogan actually came on, I thought he did pretty well yesterday personally uh, and I think it's fair to say De Bruyne is not currently firing as well. Um, how do we manage this going forward given the, you know, the alleged Fernandinho injury? Is it um, a situation there where Foden probably doesn't need minutes alongside the likes of Gundogan and Bernardo in the midfield? I think Silver needs a haircut to start with, of course. Um, <laughs> the reverse Samson. Uh, sounded like Graham Sooners. <laughs> uh, but, you know, look, Silver's an incredible player. What we don't know with, with David Silver is whether 
this is a, a temporary lull in form due to overplay or just going through one of those patches or actually whether it's something more fundamental in terms of that, that dip that you get to at a certain age and it can come quite quickly. I suspect it's the former and I suspect it's a, a form thing rather than a, an overall ending of his, um, of his sort of peak peak powers. But uh, I think while, I think we've got enough quality in midfield that whilst he's going through this spell, we only need to play him every single week. And I think we can cope with having him on the bench for a couple of games on the bounce uh, and, and covering either with uh, Gundogan or uh, bring, you know, I would like to see Silva, Bernardo Silva in the middle. I think he's far more effective in that position. So I don't yeah. think that we would, uh, I don't think it would be a big problem to have him coming off the bench in games. Um, and so I was, I was particularly surprised he started yesterday. Cheers, Stefan. Thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate that. It's funny, isn't it, that you've just picked up a trophy and still there seems to be an element of negativity around some See, of the decisions. I that think happens. it's realism, to be fair to him, in terms of like, it's negativity, but it's also kind of, uh, this is where City are now, I guess, in, yeah. really to the point where and, expectations and have been raised. The level that Pep's brought this team to is now where Carabao Cup is it's a very small part of a bigger picture, you mm. know, and that, and not to get, nothing is a city, single City fan in the world he didn't enjoy yesterday, you know, we all did. Um, but there is an argument to be said about the Foden thing, I agree with that, and I thought it would, he at least probably should have been the fourth substitute, I think that's probably fair, given the injury time, the extra time. At the same day. time, like, I don't think that Silva or De Bruyne are in form. They're not, I so, agree. So why not play him? Like, again, you go back to the Jaden Sancho thing, the guys had overplayed over 1,500 minutes, in the league compared to Foden, what, 91 minutes? And, and, and if you want to develop him and you want him to be this guy, he's 18 years old, give him a chance in a game like this. So I think it's criminal, absolutely criminal. Considering how bad City were in midfield as well, and you're considering this lad wants it, he wants it for City. And it, it, it's just a bit wrong. Speaking about bad in midfield, should we go on to Manchester United? Um, because <laughs> Well, we will uh, very soon, but bad. we just need to speak to uh, Saxon, who's given oh, us a call on 0345 7625, who's feeling a bit more positive about the quadruple, aren't you, Saxon? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm just, I was just saying to the guy before, I'm second going on Twitter and everyone's being so negative. <laughs> if you look at the evidence, so we're, we've got um, Liverpool starting to, you can tell, like pressure is on them yesterday they didn't look at anything like a team that's going to win the league um, so you know there's a chance of us winning the league we've got a championship team in the next round of the FA Cup and then the only big team is United that are left in that um, I'm guessing that we're going to go through Schalke bearing a mind any slip ups and then when it comes to the next round of the Champions League it's all about luck I mean there's, yeah, there is some decent team left in there, but if you look at it, then one of either Leo or Barca are going to go out. And, you know, it's just, it's just all... I just I don't like the negativity whenever I go on Twitter. I'd rather everyone just be upbeat about winning four trophies. Do you think it's negativity or people are just very scared of the realisation that the world could come crashing down at any moment with these kind of things? Do you think it's people just being cautious? Yeah, I suppose, in a way, but I also think it's like typical city that you know, we've got this chance of winning four trophies and everyone's just with all our, our past like being how rubbish we used to be <laughs> um, <laughs> of how like if if we've got a chance of winning some of that we just won't the odds on City winning the treble currently are 7 to 1 that's mad that which is insanity <laughs> for something that is so difficult and so hard to achieve 7 to 1 is tiny odds and I kind of believe that it might be possible you talk about fixture congestion and there are going to be extra games but in terms of fixture congestion Kind of the hard work's done there, isn't it? The 
the games have been played already and there's only a couple more to go for each competition yeah. to get to that final and beyond. But if you look at if you look at the league, the only big big like big teams that we've got left are United and Tottenham. I know it's only United and Tottenham, but you know, it's only United and Tottenham. <laughs> you know what I mean? Unbelievable. <laughs> but but yeah, in general, like um, I, I mean, I find those odds crazy, given the fact that uh, West Ham were further odds in a single game to beat Manchester City on your know, Wednesday, which is just mad because that's one match and this is a whole bunch of that. But um, yeah, to me, the quadruple thing, um, it, it just seems like a bit of a dream. But if, if there is one manager who can probably do it, if Guardiola, given the squad we've got, for me, yeah. I'm just a little bit worried about the injuries allegedly to Fernandinho and Laporte, yes, uh, and the form of David Silva, which isn't great at the moment. So you start to worry that these people are going to pick up some niggles and all that kind of stuff. Saxon, cheers for cool, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. If you want to get involved in tonight's show, the number's to call 0345 111 is the phone number. 87711 is the text number. We should mention as well that that wasn't the only trophy that was picked up by City this weekend. Congratulations to the City ladies team who picked up their first silverware of the season on penalties against Arsenal after a nil-nil in their League Cup <laughs> final. Kind of like... One mimicking the other, isn't it? Amazing achievement and now following well in the footsteps of the men's team at Manchester City. We are going to talk about the other side of Manchester next, who did City a bit of a favour at the weekend with a nil-nil draw versus Liverpool. It did see Liverpool go to the top of the table, but they are now only one point clear of the Blues. We'll talk about Manchester United versus Liverpool, supposedly the biggest game in the footballing calendar, next on the Manchester Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. Your chance to talk about your team, Red, Blue, or anything in between. Oh three four it rhymes. Oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five is the number. Eight double seven double one is the text number. Going to talk about Manchester United, Liverpool in a moment. Just wrapping up the city thing. We've had a text in here. Anonymous text. It says, "Hi guys. Yesterday was a great day to retain a trophy for the first time yes, ever. Yes, it was. Didn't play great, but a win is a win. I think Merrick should have played. However, the quadruple. I don't really see us winning. But it's a great point. The fact that it's the first time ever that Manchester City have retained." a trophy which is just another one of those small stepping what, stones what happened before that? that what was do you sorry what happened before that we just didn't retain trophies. We just didn't, no, we just, <laughs> we just didn't do much in the old trophy. Oh, fans. that's fine, man. But now we're building up slow and slow and steady wins the race, now, right? And now we're going to retain the Premiership. Oh, <laughs> you went there. That's Steve McInerney. We've got Statman Dave here as well. Statman Dave is our resident United fan this evening, and he's going to talk to us now about Manchester United versus Liverpool. All the United fans were saying that it was the bigger game to happen on the Sunday. Everyone was hyping it up, and as as always with a game that gets uber hyped turned out to be really disappointing didn't it Dave? I think it was killed by the, the injuries to Manchester United and the injuries to Liverpool. Four substitutions in the first mm. half that takes away a lot of cards to change the game especially for United and it's you know the substitution of Jesse Lingard was an interesting one you know a player that came off with a hamstring injury something that usually takes a bit of time to get over yeah. so it just kind of killed momentum and I think that was really the, the, the costing of the game is that these, in, these injuries that came the intensity dropped off a little bit but you could argue that United had the better chances in open play. Liverpool had a lot of uh, chances from set pieces. But this Liverpool team look a little bit short at the moment. Yeah, what's happened to Salah? He seems to be... Is he just having second season syndrome in terms of people double up or trebling up every now and then? I think you've got to look at Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw was fantastic. Like, it's probably his best defensive performance that you've ever seen. You know, he dealt with him over the top. He dealt with him when the ball was into Salah's feet. He dealt with him when he was in the penalty area, his movement off the ball. Like, it was a complete performance. Absolutely had him in his back pocket. Mm. 
And it was an interesting change from Jurgen Klopp, taking off their top scorer for Origi. And it seems that you could have put him central away from Luke Shaw. He could have got a bit of joy there. But then I think you look at other United players as well. I think Scott McTominay deserves a lot of praise. You know, his last performance was against Reading, came into the side. Liverpool this season pressed you at defensive midfield. He played that position, played it really well. And the criticism that's gone around, uh, you know, Twitter and wherever it is, down the pub and that, it's been a bit disappointing. I thought he played really well and he deserves a bit of respect. It's a little bit Darren Fletcher-esque where Darren Fletcher was hammered for years and years and years as a Man United player, played out wide right, even though he was a central midfielder. And then Bam, he becomes the most important player. You know, one of the most important players, should I say, in the Champions League when United were dominant. It just feels like Scott is a good player. Technically good, he's big, he's he's strong, he's powerful. I think Dave's got a little bit of a thing for uh, <laughs> Scott McTominay. <laughs> Do you want to describe how he looks in the shirt, Dave? He said Scott as well. First name basis. McThomas to his pals. <laughs> I heard you swipe right on Tinder with Scott. <laughs> no, I just, again, it's, it's one of these things where you look at that performance and he played well. He the, played really well. The thing about the injuries in the first half, and obviously it's devastating for a football team and a manager to have three injury substitutions that he's got to make. Any game plan is out the window. But it kind of embodied to me how Manchester United has changed in the last few months as well, that the players dug in. And they yeah, the fought. work. And you look at Rashford, yep. who was on that pitch, and he was injured, but he was still giving his all. And maybe you can't see that happening three months ago before Solskjaer came in. No, I think they'd capitulate. I think the, the back four wasn't good enough. They had the big improvements defensively. United looked better than they do under a defensive manager, which is really, really yeah. weird. But at the same time with Marcus Rashford, I think he made 24, he did make 24 sprints in the game. Mm. Average Premier League player probably hitting 12. The guy was injured from about 15 minutes. Maybe that's why he was injured. It's a lot of sprints. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you could, I think you could tell that he was, he was struggling and then he'd go. And then he'd struggle again and then he'd go. Right. And, but then you look at the performances of Lukaku in a defensive sense. Also going forward, he created that big chance for Lingard in the first half. There was a lot of work in that game. Of course, Rashford played through the middle in the second half. Lukaku was out wide, tracked back until you know the, the end of the game. And it was just collectively looked good for United. Pogba was getting in with the defending. May have not had the greatest game going forward, but he was winning tackles. He was intercepting a ball. It just looked like there was a lot more fight in this United team, which you've got to yeah. give credit to Olinger Solskjaer. We're going to speak to John from the Anfield Rap in just a second, but before we do, you speak about Rashford's injury. Michael Owen has had a lot of criticism <laughs> over the last 24 hours for his comments wow. suggesting that the Liverpool players should give Rashford a kick on the ankle because of his injury. What did you make of those comments? Is it something that he should be criticised for or was it just that kind of inter-club banter that sometimes gets taken the wrong it's way? One, I think it's like, I mean, I, if you said that in certain countries, no one would care. Like, I think in countries like Italy, they'd be like, yeah, it's part of the game, that's how yeah. it is. But over here, we don't really like that. We're very prim and proper, aren't we? And I guess that's not two words you describe Michael Owen with. But uh, <laughs> for me, it's kind of one of those things where you think, just say it in your head, really, or maybe off mic and stuff. But I'm not really bothered, personally. I think it's, it's a weird thing to say for it's a player weird. It's very strange. for both clubs and has suffered with injuries. So it's strange to encourage someone to injure another professional player, isn't it? I think he's not very intelligent. I think it comes down to that, really, because surely anyone with any self-awareness would not say that, given the obvious criticism he's going to get for that. Maybe it's just his way of attempting to be interesting. Um, but it's like, interesting, though. Like, for example, if you were playing Liverpool again, and let's say Mohamed Salah looked like he had a bit of a knock, and you say his ankle was a bit dodgy, yeah, you, you think, you think at half-time, you're like, ooh, if, he took to, you know, if someone crunches him, he's out. Mm. I understand where Mike Owen's coming from, but in his position, where he is, his own injury record... 
Like, he can't be saying these Do things. Do you think... I, I find it fun. I find it amusing, because it's one of those things where, you, yeah. like, deep down, if you were a manager and you saw, you know, opposition player getting a bit of a... You know, looking like he's picked up or not. Rooney got done, especially yeah. bad by Bayern Munich in 2011, I think it was, ankle injury, where they went for him. They went on to get to the Champions League final. It's like, <laughs> like you're saying, it's that, like, slightly European continental thing of winning through any means. Obviously, Michael Owen has far bigger connections with the city of Liverpool than Manchester United. So let's get the quick views of a Liverpool fan who spoke to us on Friday ahead of the game. We've got John from the Anfield Wrap on the line. Evening, John. Good evening. What did you make of Owen's comments quickly before we get into the game then? As a Liverpool fan, are you like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Yeah, we should have kicked him on the ankle. <laughs> I mean, like the boys said, I think the biggest surprise is that Michael Owen said anything interesting at all. I mean, it's not often, you know, he's, he's kind of making headlines and stuff like that. I think he's just, I think he's just talking about how the game is and saying maybe he was a bit surprised that, 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 that not more was made of it. But I, I don't think it's a massive deal, really. You said on Friday you were predicting a 2-1 win for Liverpool. I mean, we would have given anything for three goals in that match. What did you make of it in the end? <laughs> Yeah, it was it was poor game, wasn't it? I think I think Liverpool will be disappointed with how they played. I don't think a point to uh, Old Trafford is is, is never going to be a, a bad result. I can't imagine you know ever being a football fan and not being content at least with the, with a point to Old Trafford. It's more just how they played, really. You know, if we'd have gone there, had a good go, and De Gea played out of his skin like we know he can, then then you feel a lot better about it. We are top of the league, but it was just worrying how how little we created, how. Yeah, we didn't seem to have any, you know, any new ideas really, or, or ways to kind of figure out how to how to get it. Manchester United really, it was just keep trying the same things and and hoping someone pulls off, and it didn't. We had Alex Boardman, who's a United fan, on our Sunday show, suggesting that that was it, that was the league over for Liverpool, which is <laughs> insane when you're still a point clear at the top, but. Are you now worried? Because there will be points dropped by City and Liverpool between now and the end of the season. You have got only the one-point lead. And as you say, the form's not looking great at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more like half a point, isn't it, with, with, with City's kind of goal difference as well. It's the, it's the narrowest of leads now. I'm a little bit worried just because I, I want to win the league so much and, you know, it's been so long for Liverpool fans. I mean, I don't need to tell a Manchester radio station <laughs> how long it's been. We know, we know, it's OK. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, that's the reason. But I think trying to look at it calmly, trying to look at it kind of, you know, with, you know, with taking the kind of emotion out as much as you can. We've still got a fantastic chance. You know, all, we've got a nice run in our away games in particular. We're playing kind of all the worst teams in the league, really, away from home. And, and home, we should be able to still pull it out. That was our toughest game left, and it's gone now, and we got a point, and, you know, that's, that, that's fine. And so I'm worried about how we're playing. I'm worried that we're not creating enough, but... That can, that can quickly change, and, and, and we just we just need to kind of get our get ourselves going again. Remind ourselves why we're in the position we are in, which is which is top of the table on more points than the Liverpool teams ever had at this stage. You know, even uh, even when they were winning titles every season, they never had this many points. Oh, so, you can get that so print on a T-shirt, John. Oh, that's a burn. Oh, West Ham fan, I'm in no position to criticise at all. Let me ask you quickly about Jurgen Klopp, John, because I thought it was really interesting after the game the excuse that he made and he's becoming a little bit notorious for making excuses this season he's already blamed the wind he's blamed the snow and after the weekend he blamed Manchester United's injuries for Liverpool losing their rhythm as Liverpool fans do you just kind of get behind that and like the way he speaks and like the way he does deflect attention away from the players or is that becoming a little bit of an issue 
I wouldn't say it's becoming an issue. I thought I thought that one was a strange one. I think generally speaking, I think Jürgen gets a, a, bit, a bit too much criticism for his interviews because I think he just likes talking and he just likes talking about football and you know he'll, he'll say what he thinks happened. So if we struggle with the wind, he'll say we struggle with the wind. And I don't think he's necessarily looking for excuses. I think he's just trying to give an interesting interview and trying to say that, that what had happened. So I think generally speaking, I think I think painting some of them as excuses when he's just given more more reasons to why Liverpool struggled. I think it's a bit unfair. But that one, that one, that one Sunday's very odd. I don't possibly see how you know you don't you don't really wish injuries on the opponent, but I don't possibly see how that can't have been shouldn't have been anything but a positive for Liverpool really, especially with United having made all three subs. And I think there was an opportunity there in the second half just to do something a little bit different to be aware that you know they we can we can change formation. It's more difficult for them with the players to caught on, and that's why I was I was a bit frustrated. So yeah, a bit of an odd one, but you know we're not worried about about, about what Jürgen says in an interview after the game really. John, top man as always. Pleasure to speak to you. I'm sure as the title race hops up, we'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, mate. That's John from the Anfield Wrap. How are you feeling about the Premier League title race now, then, boys? Would you think it's still wide open or more wide open than it was before the weekend? Really weird because you expect Liverpool's front three to be their biggest strength. Mm. You expect City's midfield to be their biggest strength. De Bruyne and Silva look a bit off at the moment. Fernandinho's just got injured. Whereas Mohamed Salad looks like he can't beat anyone for, for pace at the moment. Mm. Where's that? What's happening You've got there? Firmino yeah. that's just gone off injured. Went out of the stadium on um, crutches. He, he was good as well. I thought Firmino played very well in the opening 20 minutes. How serious I mean, was that injury? Massive. Well, he went out of crutches. I don't know how bad the injury is yet, but if you're looking at the difference between Firmino Fermin- uh, <laughs> the child they've had uh, Firmino and Daniel Sturridge if they're your two possibilities leading your front line that is the difference in the Premier League title race right there isn't it? It's uh, it is definitely a massive thing for them to lose Firmino for any like a period of time because he's, he's a quality player and fundamental yeah. to how they play but you're right in terms of they're not firing are they? This is not the kind of heavy metal football for that cliche The weird thing is that you know in terms of Mo Salah he's top Premier League goal scorer with 17 goals like last season, he was already massively past this mark already. And that's the side of it where you're like, you can't do that with a midfield of Henderson, um, you know, Wijnaldum and, and Fabinho. You, you can't, yeah, you can't Kato. not be scoring. They mm. need to be developing, putting the ball in the back of the net, creating chances. You know, Mane looked off as well. This is the weird thing is that they completely looked off. And you think at the bench, Shakiri should have maybe been introduced a bit sooner. He should have even started with Shakiri. But then you look at City, City have the depth. That is the biggest thing right now, is that City actually have the depth in central midfield where they yeah. go, you know, Foden could be the guy that saves the day. And I think that's the, the difference between this title race now is the squad depth. Look at the next three fixtures for each of the teams. And like City have got West Ham, um, obviously it's the, the, the Jim versus Stephen Derby there on Wednesday. <laughs> and then we've got Bournemouth for the weekend, then Watford. So three games there, I think West Ham's pretty difficult. I'm not going to disrespect Bournemouth away at all, but you know, it should be a game of City win. And then Watford at home, once again, should be okay. Liverpool got Watford as well at home on Wednesday, but then it's Everton as well on Sunday. Yeah, so that's, that's a, a massive game mm. for them. Burnley at home after that. But then they're also the in form. Burnley are in form right now. They've started... To, to oh get yeah, back they, to the, they beat Spurs obviously recently. Yeah. So um, like to me, the Everton game then with Burnley, that's the kind of thing where if City are going to get in front, presuming City kind of keep up the momentum, it could be these, these next three games three, where, think so, where yeah. we actually get in front of there. And if we do, I would feel confident about us staying there given the current downturn in form with Liverpool. Is your worry with City now when you look at those injuries that were picked up at the weekend? Do we know how bad Laporte or Fernandinho's injuries were? How long they're going to be out for? 
Pep Guardiola said weeks. I think Laporte apparently wasn't supposed to be as bad as first. Yeah, thought. that's what I've heard as well. Like in, you said, you said in the uh, mix zone afterwards that it's not too bad. Fernandinho, we don't know yet. Um, or we know that they both felt something muscular. And we know Fernandinho. Last time he was absent from the City squad, that coincided with that run where you performed. lost to Leicester City and Crystal Palace. Was it as well at that time? Is yeah. There, how do you cope with that? Because there was no. <laughs> Lots of fans wanted some kind well, of replacement bought in in January should he get injured again. People, it didn't happen. People actually forget last season, Fernandinho got injured in the cup final as well against Arsenal and he went off. And then we actually played Arsenal Spurs after that with Gundogan at number six and won both games. So like we mm. can, we have found a way around it and Gundogan is actually playing his way into form at the moment. I'm not saying he's defensively as sound, but when you look at City's fixes in general, it, it, if we can get to April, it's it's not too bad. If we get to April doing okay, because it isn't an exceptionally hard run of games, thankfully. We haven't got any major games other than, you know, Schalke at home and um, we've got Swansea away in the quarterfinal, but it's a bunch of teams that you'd want to play if you didn't have players available. So it depends how long it's going to be. Uh, but we do have the squad. I mean, I'm not going to say that Finadier not being there is the reason we should lose to Bournemouth because I think that's a little bit, you know, it's... it's we're better you than that. We should have enough. But, yeah, we should have but enough. But at the same time, that's exactly where Bournemouth will hit you into the channels where the yeah, defensive no, midfielder should be going to help I out. I totally there. agree. So it's it's going to be really interesting to if see we, what he does. I still believe if we lose to Bournemouth or drop points to Bournemouth, it's because we haven't controlled the game well enough, as opposed yeah, to, no, as opposed to Finadino not playing. I mean, he could be a part of that reason, yeah. but I'm saying like... You have to just take these games as come. I mean, Finadino's going to get injured at some point. And Gussie, it's now, you know, like, um, but to me, I think, uh, if, if winning a trophy again in a, against a very hard team in Chelsea, Chelsea did play well, isn't enough of a spur to get us beaten West Ham, you know, and then Bournemouth, then I don't really know what it is, even without those players. You could have done without the 120 minutes of football. Yeah, that would have been nice, not going to lie, but, you know, but that, once again, a trophy is everything. I think that's <laughs> such an important thing for a city. It's nice to see you sweat. It's funny. <laughs> to see City fans, like, really, really, like, stressed about it. At the moment, obviously, Man United are top of the league since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took over, so we're going to be champions <laughs> what the, what of the, the, the Ole the phase. Form trophy. Uh, the form trophy. Yeah, we're going to take that one. <laughs> We're going to go in with that. It's going to be glorious. You can have it with the but, more points yeah, than the Liverpool team ever. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> we put a t-shirt together. We'll, we'll just take the real trophies. You know? That's what we do now. Oh, well, we've got a couple of minutes left and we're going to be quite quick on this one. But I was very curious to get your thoughts, Dave, on the Ole situation before the end of the season. Because everyone was saying, if he beats Liverpool, that's it. The job yeah. is his. And everyone was saying, well, if he doesn't beat Liverpool, maybe you have to look again. No one accounted for a draw. <laughs> no one sort of worked on what was going to happen there. Do you feel like it's calmed down a bit now? Because all the hype has, it has lessened a little bit with the PS and then underwhelming performance against Liverpool. It feels to me it's slowed a bit. Not in a bad way. Between that, you've got the Chelsea game where you completely battered them tactically. So I think it's, again, now I think that you have that question. Are they going to get past Liverpool? They do this, they do that. Now it is, are they going to deal with Arsenal? They're going to fend Arsenal off because Arsenal now are back into the top four. Arsenal look quite good against Southampton. Man United Arsenal, another big, big game for the Gunnar Solskjaer. But what we've seen so far, even the, you know, even the Liverpool game, not conceding against that front three, considering their form, yeah, yeah, or no, but still, they they did it. How are you feeling about Palace away? That's a big one, isn't it? Well, well, last last season, that was one of our most yeah. strange games where we were awful in the first half. Nemanja Matic scores a banger, and we win three two. In reality, there's no decision going to be made, nor should there be a decision no. made to the end of the season, though, is there? That's, That's when you judge it. You see whether United are in the top four, or they've already got a plan. Or they've already made the decision before appointing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, which could have been the best option. I don't yeah. think Edward Wood's got a plan, I'm not going to lie. I'm very surprised <laughs> Ed's always got a plan. Oh yeah, well, some kind of marketing plan anyway. Some more tractors. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. 
I hope you enjoyed that. We enjoyed doing it. We've been talking about other goalkeepers who sound like their positions. <laughs> Kepa Keeper was the one that kicked it off. Who was the other one you just mentioned? We had Goalina and we've got Neto as well. Also, um, Jason Denier, what, as a defender, the Denier. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. The Denier. I love wow, nominative determinism. I can't it's believe City sold him. That marketing spin you could have got there would have been perfect. I think oh, yeah. Den Donker's a great name because it sounds like the noise that it makes when he tackles you. <laughs> Den Donker. I, I was thinking more, <laughs> thinking more of when he like smashes it in from 30 oh, yards. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. An yeah, absolute well. Den Donker, mate. <laughs> anyway, right. So I've got a little quiz for you boys. It's about the last seven days of football. We didn't get to do it during the show, so I thought I'd save it for the podcast. Are you ready? Go on, then. Are you clued up on the last ready. seven days? Have we, oh, have no. we got like a buzz or um, are we... I was going to get answers from each of you, okay. but you can buzz in. You can say your names. You can say Dave or Steve <laughs> if you know the answer. I am all right? Okay, on. right, here we go. A little bit of a jazzy oh, bed. Nice. I like it. Okay, the win of the Caribou Cup would have been Sari's first major piece of silverware ever, which is very different to Pep Guardiola. What number trophy was that for Guardiola? Dave. Go on, Dave. Got, oh, I know the answer. 27? Oh, it's lower. <laughs> Steve, you can have a guess. I think it's 26. You're wrong as well. It oh, it's 25. 21. 21 oh, is the He's a fraud. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think that's about him. He needs to win some wait, more wait, wait, trophies. Wait. Which trophies have we included in there? Are we including like Super Cups and Community Shields and that the kind super of Super Coffers. You're suggesting I did much more research. <laughs> oh, than I did. Jim. I just went for major trophies as a... Uh, oh, a, major trophies. Uh, an all-term. So, second question. What record has Ole Gunnar Solskjaer broken after his first 10 Premier League games Dave, in charge? Form. Dave. Most points as Most a manager. Most points is the correct answer. I, I didn't know we were shouting in, by the way, with our names. We're doing this oh, in the first one. That's why we did it. I thought you we were like... Practice. Okay. This is why this quiz didn't make it into the actual show. <laughs> right. Is <laughs> it me? Question number three. When Liverpool faced United at Anfield back in 2015, how many minutes uh, or seconds of that game did Steven Gerrard remain on the pitch for before being sent off? Was it 28? Was it 38? Was it 48? Uh, Steve. Steve. 38. 38 is correct. Yeah, that's what I guess. Stab in the dark. Right, it's one all. Two more questions left. How many goals has Mo Salah scored against Manchester United since joining from Liverpool? Dave. Dave? Zero. Yeah. Zero is correct. That. I would say Dave. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> like, what's your answer, Dave? You can pull this back here, Steve. I think this is a, a Steve-focused question Uh-oh. as well, so you've got a good chance. From whom does Manchester City purchase Alexander Zinchenko for Steve. £1.7 million? FC Ufa. FC Ufa oh, is the good. correct answer. That it's 2-2. So I'm going to throw like in a that. bonus tie-break to see who can get it. Ufa is a town in Russia. Can you name me their three True. main business activities? Dave. Uh, Steve. <laughs> Go on, Dave. Careful <laughs> where you go with this. You get one of them, you can have it. <laughs> There's so many things I wouldn't say on the radio. <laughs> Oil? Correct. <laughs> is it like, um, hunting? Hunting is not one of them. Uh... Can I buzz in with vodka? Vodka is not one of them. Oh, we're, um, we're resorting to lazy Russian stereotypes. <laughs> hacking is definitely not one of them. Chemistry, uh, minerals. Uh, chemistry and mechanical engineering. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Well, the other two. Very good. Yeah, I think Dave's choice. our winner there, but only just. <laughs> Boys, thank you very much for today's show. They'll be back on next Monday. You can get Dave. He's going to be on Friday's show, previewing the weekend's game, and we'll see you very soon on the Manchester Football Social. Don't forget to subscribe. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.